Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Real Lives Untold podcast with myself, Trina O'Connor. And myself, Sarah O'Connor. We are focusing on all things crime and human interest. We're creating a space for people to tell their stories, the raw, unedited version. Today we're joined by the incredible Kathleen Chada, a woman who has been through so much since her two sons, 10-year-old Owen and 5-year-old Rory, were murdered by their father. Her then-husband Sanjeev Chada, 10 years ago this week, on the 29th of July 2013, he told Kathleen he was taking the boys bowling that Sunday evening, but when they didn't return, the country's first ever Child Rescue Ireland alert was issued. The boys' remains were found after he had murdered them and placed them in the boot and then crashed his car in Ballantubber, County Mayo. He pleaded guilty to their murders the following year. On the year of the 10th anniversary of their death, Kathleen has written a book entitled Everything as a tribute to the boys. It's been described as a beautiful, though painful, celebration of their young lives, but it illustrates so powerfully how it's possible to rebuild your life, even in the most devastating of circumstances. Kathleen Chada, thank you so much for joining us on Real Lives Untold this evening. We're really delighted that you came in and made the time. And a lot has happened in the last year. You've you've this amazing book called Everything and we'll get around to that. And this journey that you've been on 10 years this year, which is quite incredible, actually. Mm. Um, But we might just go back to you growing up and tell us a little bit about Kathleen. Oh, gosh, uh, a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on. But uh, so, yeah, I grew up in in Ballinkillen, which is a small village in Carlo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, kind of right in the vi- middle of the village, but from a farming um, background. My dad's a farmer um, and it, just a, a normal, happy, ordinary kind of upbringing, if you like. Um, the oldest of six. Uh, so four brothers and a sister, wow. younger. Busy, busy, yeah. busy house, busy house, busy house. Lots of noise. Yeah. Um, followed my mother into nursing. Um, she was a nurse, and and uh, I always say, and I do sort of feel she was she was a very strong influence in in regards to that. Um, I often joke about the fact that locally it was, so you came to Patsy Murphy first, my mum, and if she couldn't sort you out, then you went to the chemist. And if he wow. couldn't sort you out, then you went to the GP. Right. Well, um, that was handy. So, yeah. yeah, it was. That was, kind of, that was the breakdown. Yeah. So um, even busier household. Yeah. You had a queue yeah. waiting outside. Uh, and it was, it was, I was very proud of it. You yeah. know, it was lovely. Um, so I, I knew, I think, from very early on that nursing was what I wanted to do. So um, I went over to the UK to do my training. 
mm-hmm. uh, over to Kingston and came back for a couple of years and worked up in the, the orthopaedic unit in Navan and then got an opportunity to go to the Middle East, okay. to Saudi. So I, I headed over there. What an adventure. Yeah. yeah. What, what age were you then, Kathleen? I would have been probably about 25, 26 oh, when I went to Saudi. Amazing so it was time. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I mean, I looked Did at you have friends yeah. over there as well? No, actually. Now, my cousin was over there as it happened, um, but she was in a different hospital. So, um, but it was good to have somebody, yeah. you know, yeah. over yeah. there yeah. to yeah. make yeah. a difference. Yeah, of course. I was the first one really kind of going off, off, um, and uh, and that. But yeah, no, that was an adventure. And I, seven years in the Middle East. So seven loved years. It. Absolutely loved it. And was it there that you met Sanjeev? Yes. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about that? So I was probably there, I think I was there maybe a year, a little over a year um, when I met him. Uh, he was there about six months at that stage. Uh, he worked in um, banking. So he worked with City Citibank. And his the guy that he was living with um, was going out with a friend of mine, one of the girls that I shared a house with. So um, that was kind of how how we met. He came to, a, I think, a dinner or a party or something at our house. And um, then they were having another party at, at where he was living. So I ended up going and... Um, yeah, we, we kind of, he, he, he was Indian, you know, background and, uh, or, you know, he was, while he was born in Northern Ireland, brought up in, in London, but uh, com, coming from an Indian family. Um, and I remember Mary saying to me, he said, yeah, no, you know, Steve's bringing over his, his Indian friend. Uh, and I was like, okay, so you didn't know what to expect. But, you know, I, I met him initially and he, he was, to me, this tall, dark, handsome yeah guy um and he dark eyes dark hair um you know he he looked he, he was well built he was tall um so yeah he did he, he got my eye at that stage and uh we got on really really well you know um we just we clicked from yep. from very early on and uh I, I've always said, you know, I thought he was my soulmate. I, I thought this was happy ever after, you know. Yeah. We had about three and a half years together in the Middle East and uh, that's a long time in yeah. any relationship. Um, and uh, he left before me um, and he was heading off to do some traveling um, with a friend of his. They kind of made arrangements and I'm not a backpacker, so I was quite happy to let them go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I stayed on in Saudi because it meant that I had holidays and could afford to go out and meet them. So I met them in um, the Middle East or in, in the Far East in, in Thailand and that a couple of times okay. um, throughout the year. And, uh, and then I came back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I realized um, after he was away for that year that, you know, either we, the, the relationship either ended at that stage because there's only so far I think yeah. that you can go with the, yeah. the long distance long distance yeah, yeah. of course um, or, or I came home and, and we made a go of it so I came home and we made a go of it but when I came home uh, as mammies do mm. my mother knew I was coming home and had had heard an interview on the radio for the Sims Clinic in, in Dublin for a fertility clinic and phoned them up to say my daughter's coming home <laughs> brilliant I'd like to have a job I like for the her sound of Patsy. Yeah. And mm. I do yeah. too I do too yeah. and uh, I she, credit her she, with a lot yeah. brilliant um, but uh, so it was it was one of those things I didn't realise just how 
valuable for want of a better word I was I kind of had thought I was after you know I was in such a niche area I'd worked in fertility for four years at this stage had what what job could I possibly get what I didn't realize was that there was very few fertility nurses so um and how big an issue it was it was and and you know at that stage there were really only three fertility clinics three four in Ireland um but it was growing yeah. And uh, so they, they basically grabbed me with both hands, which was great. It was yeah. lovely. Nice. Um, and I um, so I started working there. I at that stage, I hadn't even seen Sanj. You know, I had the interview with them and, and this was on a Thursday. I was flying out Thursday afternoon to meet him. And uh, uh, in, in London, I uh, I kind of just moved, moved back. And uh, I had to go back and say, well, actually, they, they want me to start on Monday. And I was like, no, I can't start on Monday. Well, we need you to start on Wednesday. It's like, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I did, and uh, never looked back. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I love, um, you know, and and I love what I do. I love work. Yeah. Uh, and it has been huge for me over the last ten years. In fairness, yeah. and and um, you know, I've changed. I'm I'm working with First IVF and Clane now, but it's still with uh, Dr. David Walsh, who was the, you know, he owned, uh, co-owned Sims at yeah. the time. And uh, it's it's now, um, it changed hands, but he uh, he started working in Clane. So it's quite nice to kind of follow him, I suppose. Yeah, way. great. But, uh, it's, it, you know, and I, I, I do think in a funny way, my work, um, because it's very emotional and, 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 you know, I would have, probably done a lot of informal counselling with with uh, women and about emotions and, yeah. and loss it did stand to me actually in the last especially 10 years ago you know it really yeah. did stand to me um it gave me an insight if you like into loss that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise that helped um form how I I know it's it's different it wasn't you know, it wasn't a miscarriage. It wasn't a, a negative outcome as such. I had. But there were tools, I suppose. But there were tools that I was able to draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And, and do you mind, Kathleen, bringing us to 10 years ago? So yeah. um, when you went to London to San and, and Sanj, is it San? Yeah, Sanj. Yeah. And you said you were coming back to Ireland. He came over. Yeah. So and then you set yeah, up home together. We did. And do you want um, to tell, tell us about that? I He was happy for me to take the job. You know, there wasn't a, an issue that way. And we were going to do the kind of commute thing, you know, London and, and Dublin. Um, But I'd say within a couple of months, I was pregnant with Owen. So that wow. changed everything because we yeah. talked about what we were going to do and, and what have you. We had actually bought a house at that point um, in, in City West to begin with. And but that was as an... an kind of as an investment we were still thinking that we'd you know we'll we'll, we'll travel yeah it was off the plan so it was another year or more before it was going to be ready etc so in the meantime I got pregnant and how did he feel about that that was <laughs> um I, there was a lot of tears on my part uh initially because it wasn't planned, planned. it yeah. wasn't planned and now I wasn't sorry you know he knew my feelings on on termination at that stage it wasn't something that I wanted uh or would consider but we did have a discussion around it um on the way to choose an engagement ring because I think what we discovered was that we were both quite conservative actually so when it came to being to me being pregnant we wanted to be married part of that was because he understood that he wouldn't have the same rights if you like as a, a parent if he wasn't uh, if we weren't married so we had decided to get engaged that was something that we talked about doing anyway when we bought the house 
So it was kind of a, a progression. But the actual marriage wasn't something that was too, I wasn't too too worried about it or fussed about um, time-wise. Yeah. You know, it would happen. Yeah. But this kind of, I suppose, pushed things along. Um, he, we, we were driving along to uh, to choose an engagement ring. And uh, yeah, he he got quite upset with me because I wouldn't consider a termination. Right. Um, so that was tough. That was... <laughs> It was a little red flag, maybe that I, you know, I, I, I ignored. We talked about it. We talked about it after Owen was born, even, and, uh, you know, and he acknowledged how hurtful it was. Um, and and I, I did understand a little, I suppose, where he was going. It was just I was out of control. I didn't know what, you know, this wasn't what our, our plans yeah. were, and he was he was nervous, and and he said really until he held Owen in his hands. He didn't know what it was like to be a dad. Yeah, of you course. know, and yeah. and that's the same for for lots of guys. So, it was explainable. It made sense, if you like. So I I didn't I suppose I didn't dwell on it as such. It was something that I was aware of, and but you know when Owen was born, as much of a contradiction as it is now, you know I never doubted his love for Owen. Yeah. He he adored him. He saw Owen as a mini him, yeah. in lots of ways. Um, and, uh, he was very hands-on, um, you know, he was, uh, he was the dad that was quite happy to, to pick the baby up and take him to the nursery and, you know, change him and, and do all of that and then bring him back to me in, in bed. And, and the same when we got home, he was very hands-on, you know, so at that point he had moved to Dublin, we were renting, um, because the house wasn't ready, um, at that stage. So, um, you know, he was working in Newry at that point and, I suppose we we talked about it and, and what would happen and, and made the decision when Owen was, you know, when I was looking at going back to work, um, what would we do? And, and kind of talked about Sanj being a, a, you know, a house husband because, and a full-time dad, because, you know, we could afford to live on one salary. Mm -hmm. um, when I went back to work after my maternity leave, I got a promotion to nurse manager. So that came with a, a, a you know, a, a salary rise. And, but also came with responsibilities, so, you know, as a as a mum, having Sanj at home made life easier. Yeah, of course. It really did. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about crash pickups mm. or sickness or if you got held late. Yeah. It you yeah. know, so I was able to, to concentrate and you know, we didn't have holidays, we didn't have a second car. You you make some sacrifices. But we did I you know, I, I it wasn't something I would ever have regretted. Um, and I think and, and you were happy happy yeah, yeah. you no, were happy absolutely. Yeah. you're happy in yeah. your little bubble yeah yeah you know, the tree. Yeah. and you know we and life is so busy, busy. that you know you some things you just don't you just get on and with it. it you just get yeah. on with it you know yeah. and um so then you know we made the decision to to build you know my dad had, had offered me a site in carlo in yeah. carlo um you know a family home and life was good. And life mm. was good. And mm. it was um, working out. I got pregnant with Rory very quickly at that and then swore I was never moving house again for fear. <laughs> and so Owen was four, was he, when you got pregnant yeah, with yeah, Rory? Yeah. And how was Sanjeev about that? That was worse, actually. Um, oh, no. He was not happy at all um, uh, at that stage and, and didn't speak to me for about a week. God. So, um, again, kind of. That was his initial reac reaction. We hadn't planned a second, but but we'd always, as I'd always said, you know, we weren't on, not planning it either. Yeah. We weren't mm. sort of taking yeah. precautions or, you know, uh, it, it took that long for me to get pregnant, um, yeah. you know. So 
Um, I had endometriosis and because of the work that I do, I knew the and that But I'd always felt it. if I didn't have another child, it was okay. You know, and Owen would be loved and happy and you know he he we would have made sure that he had friends and his cousins and that so he wouldn't have lost out per se um uh, but i wasn't i wasn't sorry to have another child either no um, you know so, so, what a blessing yeah yeah so again that took about a week and we we did eventually thrash it out and uh, <laughs> uh he came, he back, came around. back around he did come around and god and, you've amazing strand kathleen like you know, for for your partner to not speak for yeah. you for yeah. a week, and and you're bringing this new bundle of joy. Yeah. And yeah. like, did did you forgive him? Do you think then? Oh no. Or did you park it in the I back of your it. mind? I'd <laughs> imagine. Yeah. Because it it wasn't you know, I, and I I often talk when I go back. We'll say when I was pregnant with with Owen and and he wasn't. You know how how he was as I say when we were going to choose uh, an engagement ring. You know, I now had, I was pregnant, I bought a house with this guy and we were getting married. You don't want to no, see these things. You don't. you don't want to see the red yeah. flags. And and I got really good at ignoring them. And, yeah. and I know that. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. Uh, and, I, and I remember, I remember after um, he'd, he'd taken the boys, um, I had started, you know, about probably about a month later I, I was seeing a psychologist and I remember actually at one point having to have a discussion and go I need to take some responsibility now he was immediately going no you're not responsible no. but I needed responsibility for the relationship that I had and it was a really strange and that was kind part of, of your process that was part of my well, process because I, I needed you know um, and, and nothing that I did led to what Sanj no. did so and I absolutely know that and, and, and you know, in that way. But I often wondered what would have done, what would have happened if I had. If I had, I suppose, confronted him a little bit more or if I challenged him, but if I had done all of that, we wouldn't have been together. Yeah, mm. no, you know, you, you, would, you wouldn't, wouldn't have had have. your voice no. or he might have no. just said you know had convinced you yeah. and turned you know yeah. talked you back around again where it's fine and again and he's he probably so, good at that and, and that's the thing i i you know I, I still look back on it and wonder you know what what was the dynamic did i was i a walkover was i you know there's all sorts of questions and and i think as a woman in a, a broken relationship you you ask these questions i don't think guys do quite as much they probably do, but not as much. But you do look back and go, what could I have done different? Mm. And it takes a lot to actually shift that mindset. So yeah. did you, you wanted to probably smooth things over. Yeah. You'd, uh, you had yeah. a really busy life. Yeah, we had two children, a house and a mortgage. Yeah, you were working full time and he was still time. at home at he that point. He was still at home. Yeah, he was. Uh, so it, it troubles me, though, Kathleen, that you think yeah. that. Anything you could have done could have yeah. stopped what he went on to do. And it troubles me yeah. because you are not responsible yeah. for what he did. And realistically, I know that. And yeah. I am very, I am very clear on that. Yeah. But it's hard I not imagine. to ask the question yeah. and not to. Now, I'm very aware that if I had made the decision on that Sunday night to go with them to go bowling, as he yeah. talked about, uh, what would it, what happened would probably have happened during the week, a week later. And, and can you tell us what, what happened on so that Sunday night? On that Sunday. So what had happened about 10 days beforehand, I'd find out he'd embezzled money from our local community centre, which was devastating. Yeah. And mm -hmm. 
something I would never have thought of him, to be honest. I, I would have thought he was as honest as they come now, to be honest, and straight up. So that was a real shock. Um, this was my community, yeah, my oh, family, God. my, you know, my a, a village, really small my home. community. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was devastating. But did um, he tell you? Sorry, did he no, tell you? He no. didn't. I found out through my mum, actually, our, our local parish priest had to tell my mum and dad oh, because no. it was going to be coming out. And my mum called me over. Uh, he disappeared the day we found out. I, I phoned him as soon as I you, you confronted, him. confronted him, but it was on the phone. He was actually he brought home to a golf camp. And what ended up happening was he turned he, he asked a friend to bring Owen home and he disappeared for most of the, the afternoon. And uh, I kept phoning him. He'd answer the phone most of the time, but he didn't turn up on the door. I was worried at that stage yeah. that he was going to do something. Um, himself to, to himself you to were himself. worried for him yeah I was worried, you were worried for, for your husband yeah, yeah. yeah. he'd yeah. been found out you yeah. know um and uh I'm but I'm a I'm quite practical I'm a doer I'm a fixer so yeah let's get on with it what yeah. you know here yeah. we are can't change it so what do we do now and, uh, and had he had hit lows before that before the the embezzlement and the news of, of that was what was his mood like his in general mood, his mood at that stage was fine I, yeah. I didn't notice anything uh, you know at that point I I feel very much and obviously I suppose I didn't I probably didn't ask the question but I do feel very much he knew this was coming you know I didn't and, and yeah. I'll, I'll always be yeah, there's lots I'm angry with them about but you know I, I kind of feel why why couldn't you have been the one to tell me why couldn't you have sat me down and, and said look this is what's after happening I messed up I'm really sorry um, and this was 10 you found ten out 10 days, days before, before which was yeah this month 10 years yeah. ago yeah uh, absolutely so um, yeah probably so, so coming up to, to that anniversary now yeah. so, so for many women if yeah. they were met with what you were met with, yeah. they would have, you know, thrown this person out or got mm. angry with this person, all of these. You didn't do any of them things. No. You you said, let's walk let's this work through. through let's, it. Like, yeah. you're, you're so, like, open to, you know, facing it head on. And yeah, he still went on to do and what he did. And, and that, I suppose, is, is one of the, one of the hurtful things, actually, is that he couldn't see that I would have been able to... Yeah. To support him, support him, yeah. and get us through this. He asked me at one point, "Did I, uh, what did I think for him, for us as a as a couple? Did I think we'd survive?" And I said, "I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, we need to get through the practical stuff. I'm not kicking you out. So you're probably going to have to get a job <laughs> at this yeah. point." Um, and I did talk about him going back to the UK for work because I said, "You know who's." who's going to employ you locally um, mm. and uh, he had family and business so I thought maybe there'd be something opportunities over there that he could you know um, uh, work because my sense at that stage was if we could pay the money back there may not be a criminal charge yeah um, was it a lot know, of money Kathleen it's about 55 56,000 so substantial, so substantial yeah. but manageable yeah you know but from his point of view very overwhelming yeah. amount I'd imagine and it was the shame I yeah, for him at that stage, he'd been found out, and mm -hmm. he was now going to be knocked off that pedestal. Yeah, that mm -hmm. the boys in particular had in the known. local community. And did he have well. a good reputation yeah. in the yeah, community? Like did. people liked him. He, he was, was popular. Liked. He was popular. Well, he was was well he liked. the was he the treasurer of the? He was, he had so the he treasurer. was trusted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, so there was a lot. Uh, you know, he had a bank and he had he had time, so mm. it made sense for him to to do it. I remember asking him after did he did he take the the position on, on purpose? purpose? Yeah, he said no. 
And and to be honest with you, I, I kind of believe it because what he said to me was, but he said, I didn't I didn't know the kind of money that was that was there. So, mm. no. And he this would have actually been one of his first meetings. That was the that AGM, you know, right. they were he went with a couple of friends that were hoping to start a, um, a no weather or, you know, sort of a to campaign. look at uh, yeah. starting a campaign for an all weather pitch. Yeah. And that was kind of why why they went, you know, in mm. the first place. I sent him out that night going, please don't come home with a job. But he did, <laughs> as anybody on, on committees know. So yeah. uh, so but, this was 10 days was before. 10 days before. And, and in them 10 days leading up to the Sunday, yeah. how, how were things between you? Tense between us. Mm. Um, but I was, as I say, in practical mode. We, we need to sort this. You know, I, I remember phoning um, Gamblers Anonymous, the, the family support, um, and having a, a long chat there. I spoke to the solicitor. He went in to see the solicitor. I got him going to uh, GA as well. Mm. I know he went at least once. I'm not sure about any, any more than that. Because I, I felt this was a gambling and addiction. Yeah. Um, and I suppose even in my head, it was easier for that. For it to be that, yeah, in yeah. a way, uh, and uh, but I knew that this was something. But you were really gung ho about oh, supporting him. To, yeah, we needed to just get on with this now and and get get something sorted and 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 would see. Now he was in the spare room. Yeah, <laughs> there was fair no, enough. You know, yeah. I, I, there was it was tense. Uh, we went away for a couple of days the weekend um, before he took the boys because we had a camping trip planned down in Duncannon. That had to happen for the boys. Yeah. It was all, you know, and he was being very good, I suppose, um, insofar as he was taking the boys away and he was giving me time. And, you know, suddenly I was I was being minded and looked after in ways that, you know, day to day wouldn't have necessarily mm. happened. So we had he, we'd come back from Duncanon and he there was a, a there was a calmness about him. It's the only way I can describe it. And. I put it down to the fact that everything was out in the open. Yeah. It was all there now and I hadn't kicked him out and yeah. we were going to sort you were this. Yeah. Work through it. Yeah. Um, and that would make sense. That would make sense know. because yeah. he would have, when you say he didn't tell you, you had to, he knew that he had done this. Yeah. So actually for it to come out, you can imagine that would yeah. give you a calmness. Oh, and mm. that's but, so. But looking, back, looking now, back now, what do you think the calmness I was I think about? the calmness was because he knew what he was going to do. And, and what did yeah, he do? Which is take the boys. So that Sunday, uh, we had a normal Sunday. He brought me a cup of coffee in bed in the morning. He told me he was thinking of bringing the boys bowling that uh, that evening or that afternoon uh, in Carlo. It seemed to take ages for them to go. That's the one thing I, I you know, looking back. Mm-hmm. But again, it was summer holidays. There was no rush. There was yeah. no panic. And, yeah. you know, um, I was bright evenings, a friend, bright evenings. So, yeah. you know, there was no they weren't getting up for school on Monday or anything. So you kind of you don't you're not questioning it. I mean, yeah, at that stage, I he eventually took the boys about six six thirty. I went off for my walk, came back home, realized there was no milk, so I phoned. There was no reply. Um and phoned again probably about nine, nine thirty and realized that the phone was upstairs. His phone was upstairs. Oh, no. But again You just he, thought that thought was a that mistake. Was, he'd, he'd, yeah. he'd had an old Nokia. This was now a smartphone smartphones were yeah. kind of coming coming in really at that stage. And it didn't fit into his pocket quite as easily or it was, yeah. you know, he needed he didn't have a cover for it. So he yeah. needed to protect it. Yeah. Um, so he would have put it down instead of slipping it into his, his uh, jeans pocket. And therefore, I thought he'd just forgotten it. Mm. Hadn't really occurred to me. By 10, I decided to go looking for the key for the second car. Couldn't find it. 
Um, we only had one key for that one. Turns out he had brought it with him. I'm not sure on purpose or not, but I had gone looking because I was going to go into Carlo uh, just to see whether they were around. Um, my, I couldn't find the key. My bro I phoned my brother then, probably about 11-ish, and he came around and we went into Carlo. He took me into Carlo. And I remember going, going in, you know, writing big notes on the floor in the hallway to say, look, I phone me as soon as you get back in. I've gone looking for you. I'm really worried. And um, went into Carlo with Brian. And on the way in, I thought a car passed that looked like mine. And uh, so I thought, and Brian was like, well, do we go back? I said, no, no, we need to go into Carlo. But, you know, it, it'll take about 15 minutes from here to, to for them to get home. He'll phone me. So I was waiting, counting down the time. We got into Carlo, no phone call. So I was like, okay, coming back again. Brian said, you know, did I want to go into the guards on the way back in Bagnallstown? And I said, no, no, no. Should they be there when I get home? Um, and if they're not, then we'll do something. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I remember driving up to the house because there's a spot on, on the road that you where you could see the front of the house and going, the car will be there, the car will be there. And it wasn't. Yeah. And that's when I, that's the moment I knew something wasn't right. Did you think they'd had an accident or something? That's the first something. thing you'd think. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, and funnily, not necessarily an accident because no. I thought I, somebody would have contacted me. Right. So you, know, you had that good that, feeling that, that it was more there was sinister. There was something you know, with what had happened. Now, it was still in my head that he was just disappearing, that mm. he was just running away. Oh, you thought he was going to go all. to London and take yeah. the kids and so the humiliation was too much for him. You know, so I yeah. phoned the guards first, yeah. um, kind of reported it, and then phoned his brother, who he was living just the other side of Newry, um, up in, in County Down. So had he gone up there, phoned there? No, he wasn't up there. Phoned a couple of friends, wasn't there. Um, I waited till the following morning to phone his um, his mum over in London because somewhere through the night I kind of thought we'd, we'd been over in London yeah. uh, in the car yeah. not that long previously and, and I thought well maybe that's where they've gone you know yeah. timing of it was you know the I think the ferry was about half nine so if they were leaving the it house was all had, adding all up, adding up yeah. and uh, I thought that that's where they'll be so I and the bowling wasn't open wasn't either after open. six wasn't that no, right it yeah, wasn't even that's open that's when the guards became very worried yeah, yeah. Uh, and in fairness they were more you know at the time they probably looked at the more sinister options than I yeah. did um, and in fact uh, you know talking to, to the superintendent Mark Walker over the you know I've spoken to him since but you know he, he would have said you were you were adamant that, that, that they were over in England and I said well that's because what you know, this made sense to me. Yeah. Where else could they possibly be? Yeah, you couldn't be? imagine the horror of, of, of what no, happened. Right up until the moment 
that it was confirmed. Can you can you tell us? You. Yeah. You, so, uh, if you're okay, can yeah, you? no, absolutely. Yeah. That's 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 fine. Um, it's uh, I was being interviewed by the one of the, the detectives at the time and. My phone went off. Now there was lots of num- my phone was going off a lot at the time with with unknown numbers, if you like, and uh, so again unknown number picked it up and realized it was Sanj. And you know there'd been a huge amount of coming and going. This was I think somewhere around two o'clock in the afternoon. I can't or three o'clock in the afternoon. The next day. The next on the Monday. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I bearing in mind I'd had no sleep all night. You know I'd been into the bank to see if there'd been activity there. Mm-hmm. There was so much coming and going. All my family knew about it now. So people were, were in gathered in the house and it was Sanj. And I remember going into some sort of a, I, I, I watch a lot, of, a lot of detective shows and that sort of thing. So you kind of go, okay, I know I have to keep him on the, on the phone. That's, that was, you know, so important. So I'm, I'm looking at the detective and, you know, he's nodding and because he, he realized. And the first thing I said, you know, are, are you all right? Are, where are the boys? And he said, uh, they're dead in the back, was God, how he announced it. And so I kind of Did went, you believe him? No. No, no I imagine. How could you, how could you he was take okay. that in? He was yeah. all right. He was yeah. talking to me yeah. on the phone. You just so, thought he yeah. was just trying to yeah. punish you. What or? he said was, there's been a crash. and a, a, So, there's, you know, there's been a crash. And, and that's when I said, are, are you okay? Are the boys okay? And, uh, and no, they're dead in the back. And, and I suppose for me, that was... He's talking to me. He was driving. They have to be okay. Of course. Yeah. 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 They're probably unconscious or they're stunned or they're whatever. Mm. Um, but he's obviously talking somebody's phone. So, you know, it wasn't his. He didn't have his phone. So um, but at somebody no was point unseen. did you think he no. had done he, anything no. to them? No, absolutely. Or was the capable of this thing. Yeah. Would never have thought that he could have hurt them uh, at all you know he wasn't he wasn't a disciplinarian he wasn't one that he didn't slap them smack them or, or anything like that he yeah no he and, and he was a very placid kind of guy I, I it, this wasn't it didn't make it sense. was out of character totally so so when he said there's been a crash had there indeed been a crash what, what, what had happened he'd crashed the car so um, on, on purpose on purpose mm. the boys were so he he had, as it turns out, um, the boys had been killed at about probably about half four, five o'clock in the morning. Okay. Uh, very close to Ballantubber Abbey. Sandra was driving around all that time, and as we and there was a that know, child rescue alert, the cry, cry alert, the a cry child, alert, yeah, which was so the, the it was uh, the first the ever, very first ever. I remember ever. that. Yeah. yeah. And because uh, I remember phoning some of my colleagues in work to to let them know that it was going to be out there, you know, so that they, they don't, you know, they, they know about it and yeah. things of the hearing. And so it was, and I think what had happened was he, so this was, let's say, it was about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon and he um, had heard the alert on the radio okay. um, and had made the decision to crash the car. And I remember going to the scene of the crash um, and I don't call it an accident because it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but where the crash happened and being so angry at him. Now, bearing in mind, <laughs> this was a week, this was sort of a week and a half after. But being so cross that he could have taken somebody else's life with him. I mean, he crossed from a side road across a, 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 a very busy road coming mm-hmm. out of, of Westport. 
and there could have been somebody walking, a pedestrian, uh, a cyclist, another car. There could have been anything. Um, the damage that could have, have been yeah. done. I was already devastated. But he could have added to, to that. And, and yeah. I was so cross that he had such little regard for life. I mean, yeah. it seems bizarre to say that I given know. his <laughs> lack of regard. But, and was he injured, that, Kathleen? He had some superficial injuries. I think he broke a rib or, yeah. And did he say to you that he had, he, it was intentional to take no, his own life as well? Did no, he ever admit no, that? he didn't. He didn't. Um, I mean, he had made another attempt apparently as well earlier on in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, very, I class them as very pathetic attempts. Uh, if he really, really wanted to take his own life, he could have done it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he had plenty of time and opportunity because he wasn't found. It wasn't like he was being chased. He wasn't found until he crashed the car. Yeah. So he was in a position that he could have done if he'd wanted. And it never it has never made sense to me, to be honest, that he didn't, that he chose not to not to take his own life. I, I don't and know you I, asked him the question if if he had intended to take yeah. you at some point as well that wasn't that was, was actually that? after so probably about maybe a month six weeks after okay. I, I was looking up emails um so we'd had a birthday party for own over in london and on that morning um that he took the boys i was like look would you just send the thank yous so he was to own sanja created created email accounts for both boys when they were born and it was so that you know we, we would send photographs to his own mum and dad from Owen's um, email, if you like, uh, and and have conversations with with Granny and Granddad from Owen. Uh, obviously, it was Sanj, you know, doing it. But so I knew that there was, I knew that there was the email account. Um, I knew it had been active, and he had sent um, uh, sort of thank yous to various people, all of his family and stuff like that. Um, and the guards had taken away the laptop and computer. So I had no access to photographs of the boys at all at that stage and obviously didn't think to take them or download them beforehand. So um, I I knew that there would have been some photos of Owen when he was a baby on the email account. So I went looking. So I read through all of the the inbox and whatever. And then I was going into sent, old sent items. And there was an email that was in it that seemed odd because it was sent from Rory's account to Sanja's own account. And so I clicked, I was clicking on everything. So clicked on it. And it was a a suicide note that he'd written about a year and a half previously um, in which he'd intended to take all of us. Um, So that was shocking because I thought, He's had this in his mind for this. And what was going on back then? Yeah, exactly. Was was he involved? Was he involved in the treasure thing at that that stage? stage. No. So this was even before that. This is before that. So it must have been chilling. It it was because I wasn't aware of it. It was at that I dropped my hours in work at that stage because we could afford for me to drop my hours. It's one of the things and it's one of the things that I've often talked about as as the wife of a gambler, if you like. You know, our, our mortgage was paid. Our bills were up to date. We had a credit card debt or whatever of a few thousand but it was it wasn't outrageous it was manageable it was mm-hmm. been paid every month and you know so there was nothing that you know I, I wasn't in huge debt or we weren't in huge debt we would have been able to to 
you know, resolve, manage this yeah. and resolve this. So, um, he, he it was, it, it just made no sense at the time. But I, and I remember at the time going, who do what do I do with this? So I remember sending it to the you know guard liaison officer so that he could pass it on to the investigation team, and also sending it to um the central mental hospital, which is where Sandra's an inpatient at oh. the time. Because I went, I, I don't know what, to, you know, to do with it. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Uh, I don't think it necessarily meant anything other than to me. Um, you know, and I look at it now and I think I lay next to somebody who actually wanted to kill me for a long, long time. And, and, you know, I mean, we've all said that, oh God, I could have killed him or I could kill him or I, but he meant it. Yeah. Um. Yes. So when I... I look at it now and when, when it comes to things like parole and yeah. him getting out because that's I'm sorry, but, you know, yeah. out on license means nothing to me if, if he's out. Of, and there was something you know, about that recently yeah. or this year. Surely not yet, because not that 12 years is coming no. to affect a ticket. Yeah, it? it has. It has. Finally, um, he did apply at seven years. Yeah. Um, because while the parole bill had, had, had was signed into law, it hadn't been enacted. So it wasn't actually active if you like mm-hmm. it, it it didn't it was like as I said it wasn't worth the paper it was written on yeah. at that point it is now yeah um but uh which is great and and, and it has changed it's at 12 years seems like a small amount of time as well I don't I knew at seven years he wasn't going to get parole no. I'm not you know I did know that but the insult from my perspective of him applying in the first place was huge I wasn't expecting that I thought he would take his punishment yeah. Um, and just to let him, uh, people know, he yeah. did, he pleaded guilty. He did the plead following guilty. year, wasn't he did. it? Yeah. yeah. So the, the the court case was about fifteen months after, and got concurrent and he, he sentences. Got concurrent, yeah. Two concurrent can, sentences. Ca- Kathleen, yeah. can I ask you about when you found out you you your boys, and um, when you found out that he had done this, and um, yes. how did you find out, and and did you? What kind of communication have you had with him since, if you don't mind? No, no, not at all. I, I, none directly with him um, as such. I, so I, that phone call, um, yeah. I walked away um, devastated. Everybody in the house realised something was going on and I sat there going, no, he couldn't possibly. And the superintendent or the guard, the detective, I should say, that was with, and, and God love him, and I've only met him again recently, what he had to go through that day because he knew he knew he was mm. devastating my life so he had gone outside he needed to get confirmation I have no idea of the time frame but I remember him walking back in I was looking at the door as he walked the front door as he walked in and I just knew from his face Ticky and he just shook face. his head and I'm so sorry oh and and that was that was my life as I knew it over so I, I remember going into uh, like a a dark hole is the only way I can describe it. And I saw one of my aunts and I, I, I kept going. In my, I have to focus on her because if I don't, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. So I focused on her to kind of come out of the, the hole, if you like. But so at that stage, how I actually found out that he was responsible, I'm not I don't recall it yeah, as just such. Shock of it, it was yeah. the sh- shock at the time. I don't know whether I presumed it whether I knew it instinctively or somebody actually told me, I suppose I didn't know the details because nobody knew the details mm. that, you know, that, that, that early stage. I mean, I'm not even sure when he made the phone call to me, when he borrowed a phone from somebody that came on the, on the crash. I don't know that they, anybody there knew at that time that the boys were, cause he'd put the boys into the boot of the car. So, um, he, 
even that isn't it oh. you know it's such a it, it, it but that's the bizarreness of all of this it's it's but he it, was not in, in a way and listen this is just me thinking about it was he able to compartmentalize yeah. He and that to, sounds very clinical. Yeah, but he was. But was he that, was. His, that, that how was his he dealt way. with things? And that's possibly. how he dealt with everything in hindsight. When yeah. I look back on it now, that's how he dealt with everything. Ha, has he a diagnosis of a psychopath? Not. Uh, <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> no, because <laughs> they are yeah, 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 no, Like to be able yeah, he's to. He's a narcissist. Yeah. Narcissist um, personality but, disorder. But, but they are the traits. Did you think that beforehand? No. Now, looking back. Looking at it now. And you have described. Obviously, there was no insanity there. So you have described him as evil and a narcissist. Absolutely. So has he been has he been assessed by psychological services was. he was in the central mental hospital for about 18 months and what, what, what was their diagnosis do um, you know do you know I don't a personality disorder and, and, yeah, so and narcissistic right. personality yeah. Yeah. Um, which is psychopathic yeah, yeah. which is yeah. Uh, exactly BD, yeah, yeah. Um, but nothing beyond that yeah. you know he was there for his own safety initially he was there because he was a danger to himself I <laughs> I question that myself, yeah. um, but he he was there. Um, I th- I I look at it and I go, was it he was there because they didn't know what to do with him. Nobody and knew you know, what to it really it really doesn't matter actually. No. what his diagnosis was. Mm. The fact is, your beautiful yeah. boys yeah. went out with somebody who was they, supposed to protect them, yeah. who had shown them love, who had. You know, they trusted, they they trusted, like, and and, and the love of your life, who you were willing to support and bring the life back together. And did this most horrendous, horrific act, just it's unthinkable, and it is, but it happened, yeah. So it's, it is bizarre, and it's you look for answers. The hardest thing is to accept that there may not be an An answer. answer. Yeah. And that took a long time for me to be able to say that because you're looking for a reason. I wanted him to be insane because it would have been a diagnosis and it would have explained it. Yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, understanding is the key, you know, and you you can't understand this. If he's not going to offer something genuine. And and to be honest with you, I don't want him to because that means him trying to justify something Mm. that is totally unjust. And he can't. No. There isn't any justification. not be absolved no. for no. this no. and how did you then rebuild your life in, in the last decade can you tell us how you've been a lot of support a lot of prayers um i i i mean i described at the start of this about my my upbringing you know mm. and, and family and i come from a very grounded background and i'm incredibly lucky for that so you know my family the community my extended family friends um, and all of that was needed to to to, to hold me, if you yeah. like, in those early days. Um, a friend of mine organized for me to see the psychologist that I have. I, I, I still see on occasion. Um, he has a background in trauma yeah. uh, counseling and that was needed. She recognized that she couldn't because she was my friend, but she knew that I was going to need some some support. And, and that was so, so true. Um, so to meet him. When I did probably about a month, five weeks after and, you know, I was seeing him three times a week to begin with. Um, and that gave me the tools, if you like, yeah. and the outlet yeah. 
you know, I didn't have to worry about family and friends and because, and, you know, I'd offload on them. What do they do with all of yeah, that? Where do they yeah. go with that? Yeah. And they're grieving. Yeah. yeah. They're grieving the, the loss. So um, so the, the psychology and, and, you know, it needed to be. It was so important now looking back. I, I see mm. that. And then family and friends. I yeah. mean, they just carry you through. And and some of that is is humor. Some of that is, and yeah. it's, it's, you know, I have a dark sense of humor anyway. I yeah. always did. Um, it's a real Irish thing, though, isn't it? it is. You know, we've had people on here speaking about the biggest yeah. traumas. Yeah. And, and yet in the middle of it all, we, to, we, to lift it yeah, and, do. and deal with it. It yeah. is. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, I suppose it keeps us human, doesn't it? It does. But you can't live in that acute darkness. sense no. of darkness yeah. all of the time. Mm. Even that week. In in Ballinkillen, when when you know from and you from were able we to bring out, the boys back. I was yeah into the is, house for a yeah, night. Wasn't they that were it? with us for one full night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was so so important. But but even in the depths of that and and the darkness of that, there was humor. You know, and that was okay. I mean, yeah. I, I got a giggle all the time about the number of people that would have come in because they were related to, or they knew some of my family or, or whatever and they were coming to support and they'd ask me for, you know, where was my sister or brother or whatever. Yeah. And then they'd come back, they'd be being introduced to me after that and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I thought, mm. well, you know, I, I kind of got a little bit of a giggle from mm. that because nobody expected me to be visible. Nobody expected to, to that, that I was going to be upright. That they'd be standing practical. up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, God. and maybe that was part of it. My, I was, I was, you know, I was going to prove <laughs> that wrong. Uh, in a way, I knew that week I had to hold it together mm. because there was no, this wasn't a dress rehearsal. This was it. And I needed, I could fall apart the following week. Um, Kathleen, but, how did support. you say, how did you say goodbye to your boys? Um, that was tough because their bodies were there but they weren't mm. and I was I was so proud of them in those moments and I was so proud of the love that was in the house for those days and they were responsible for that and that has continued yeah. and I look at the, the photograph that's on the front of the book it's my favorite photograph of them and I know that people recognize that photo and I know that they they pick it they mightn't remember who it is that they that they are they mightn't remember the voice names but generally speaking people smile when they see it yeah and oh they're I'm beautiful so proud of, yeah. of that so saying goodbye I don't know that I've actually said goodbye that's uh in a way um, I always said it was, you know, it was the, the realization that I, I accepted that they were gone, but it took a long time to accept that they weren't coming back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as I, I, I talk about the fact that I don't want to get over losing them, I don't want to get over it because this isn't something to get over, but it is something I have to learn to live with, had to learn to live with and mm -hmm. have learned to live with. And how do you, can I ask how you do that? And, and I know yeah. we had another guest who, who lost a child in a different way and losing yeah. a child in any way. Is, but yeah. in the circumstances that you lost those boys, it, it, it must be just it's it's so hard. It, it is because you think of their last moments and, and you know, they weren't surrounded by love, you know. Um, and yet I look at it and I go, for me, the heroes are the parents that have had to sit beside their child's bed as they're in pain and, and, and possible cancer or other life limiting um, conditions. 
they're the ones that I feel for because they're watching their child in pain. I didn't have to do that. They were loved and they knew they were loved right up until those last moments. So I, I hold on to the fact that it was a small moment in their lives, however significant it was and however devastating it was. They were loved up until that point. So that's important for me to, to hold on to. Yeah. Um, and they... <sighs> I suppose, you know, I, I, I am proud of them. I'm, I'm proud of, of, of the boys that that they were and, and, and continue to be in, in lots of ways. You know, uh, I, I laugh about, you know, I had a conversation over the weekend about uh, with my, my cousin who's uh, living in Clare now. And, you know, the boys were absolutely hurling mad. Um, and we're having the bo- their, their anniversary mass on the 23rd, which is all Ireland. Yeah, curling final right. and uh, Kilkenny are there they were huge Kilkenny supporters yeah of course um, but she was giving out she said yeah she said you the boys on your side for uh, for Kilke- you know Kilkenny yeah. kind of to get through and it's it's those sort of things that make you that, that keep them real yeah. that and keep are them you spiritual do you, do you feel their presence yeah. do you oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that's a that's yeah. a massive comfort it yeah. is it is um, you know I, I think if I didn't if I didn't feel that there is something beyond this world, mm-hmm. um, I think I'd have given up a long time ago, yeah. you know, because I believe I will be with them again. I believe they're waiting for me wherever that is. And I do believe they're with me um, all the yeah. time, you know, and and it's funny. You, you kind of have this, you know, they were five and ten. They'd be 15 and 20 now. So you kind of have this picture of them on oh, where they are goodness. and and, and yeah. what they're doing what would they look like you know um so it, it's it's all mixed up if you like in in my head but but that's okay and that's writing the book there. was hugely mm. cathartic it really it was there for a long time mm-hmm. um i talked and i you know i talk very openly about the boys and about what happened i'm it, it's something that i i feel if I have a voice that I can use, then I it, it's for me to use it. Yeah. Not everybody can. And and that's OK. And, and the so, work that you do now, you mm, work with Safe. Safe Ireland. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I got involved with Safe Ireland a, a number of years ago. And I mean, it's a fantastic organization, yeah, amazing, and, you know, yeah. and, and they're doing incredible work, particularly over sort of COVID times and, and that and, yeah, and, yeah. and going from strength to strength to strength and you know they're very strategic and and it's about change and it's about change and we have to make that change and get in at a government level you know people often ask about preventing domestic violence domestic abuse I used to say that I wasn't you know I wasn't a victim of domestic abuse but actually I look back on it now and I think yeah no there was coercive but you never thought that would lead to familicide that's it and you don't you know uh, it was it was my life so you know I look at at the work that that Safe Ireland are doing and and all the other great organizations and and it is it is about highlighting what what's what's going on in, in any relationship and look at there's there's violence we know primarily it's violence against women yeah. and then it's violence against children there is violence against men there as is, well yeah. we, we know that and, yeah. and you know so there's you, you know, same sex relationships yeah. there's violence within it so mm. you know there's there's 
and it's a, it, you know it's something that we should never it's, it's never that, accept. It's you that were talking there, piece. Yeah. So, yeah, and you were talking there about red flags, and you're oh, saying, yeah. oh, maybe that was a red flag, but they're amber flags. You know, yeah. some of them aren't that obvious, and no. people shouldn't be beating themselves up no. over that. No, yeah. and it's really can't. important that, and and then you can smooth that over and yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, well, and, but and what advice it. would you have then for for Trust women? Your gut. Yeah. Mm. Trust your instinct and talk. If there's something that you're worried about or that you're a bit unsure of or in a relationship, we are so secretive, particularly when it comes to our relationships, yeah. you know, an intimate relationship. Yeah, you're not wrong, you Kathleen. Don't yeah. share. We yeah. don't share because you don't want to. Number one, you, you don't want to slight somebody that you care about and that you love and that you're living yeah. with. And, you know, um, so there are so, know, many so many layers to that. Layers yeah. And, yeah. and so but I think if, if you can, if there's something that you're you're questioning, just talk to somebody that you trust. Yeah. Now, if you're that person that is is, you know, is, is the trusted one, if you like, you've also got to be careful that you don't jump on that wagon and yes. go and then suddenly you're kind of just you know, interfering. Uh, in a relationship that maybe somebody doesn't want to it's yeah. about balance, yeah. balance so it's it's actually being aware of that and and, and going you know i mean my question now because people have come and, and spoken to me is are you safe in the immediate are yeah. you safe right now um is is do you feel your life is in danger and and if the answer to that is no then okay we'll get through this and, and yeah. you know it's not going to be easy and it's you know for loads of reasons i mean you know for me with sanj I, I didn't want to think of, of being a single mom. I know. I didn't want, that wasn't, you know, sharing co-parenting or, you know, sharing a, yeah. a custody. And you Did know, you still love him at that point? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it took a long time for me not to love him and not to oh. worry and care for him, yeah. you know. All that week after, um, before the funeral, he was the one I wanted to oh be beside me. Oh, my goodness. You know, oh he... Oh, my goodness. It says so was, much about you and your yeah, character. You know, he, he was... He was my husband. He yeah. was Owen and Rory's dad. I knew on on a logical level that he was responsible for all of this, but uh, he was still the one that I wanted to turn to. Who because he had he been was, your anchor, was, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and you described him as your soulmate. That's it, and yeah. you know he was there when the boys were born, and you know for all that had gone on before that, but he was still there, and we, you know, I thought we we had a good marriage, and I thought we could trust each other. Um, so, yeah, no, it was and that was very weird because I did go up to the central mental hospital a couple of times, not to meet him, but to meet with the consultant. And, you know, I remember the first time going up and bringing, you know, boxer shorts and socks and toiletries and caring, caring, because caring. it was my husband in hospital. Yeah. And and I remember at the time going, OK, stop overthinking it. Don't don't if, if you want to do it, just do it. So mm. I did. No, I didn't do it subsequent visits, mm. but I did it that first visit because yeah. I just didn't know how to be i didn't know yeah. whether there was we were going to suddenly discover that he had a brain tumor yeah or something that you was were going still to grasping it. you were still wanted, grasping. wanted to understand yeah. it to understand it and wanted it yeah. to be a reason and as i sounds said sounds like he hid an awful lot he did, he did. Mm-hmm. you know and 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 that's so when i talk about responsibility that's maybe a little bit where i'm coming it's it's almost like you kind of you do. You're trying to make sense of something in your in your own head about um, what went on, and and if if the marriage was so good as as I thought it to be, how could he not have confided? How could he have not talked to me? And how could he have not talked to me before 
you know, when he first had thoughts of taking all our lives, you know, so you, yeah. you kind of go through the, through that and you, and you do, you question yourself at that stage. You question your own judgment. Your own judgment. And have you eased up on yourself, though, in that regard? I hope yeah. so. Yeah, I'm a really, really good psychologist. So yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you do. But I often talk about it. it's not a matter of, of me not trusting somebody else anymore. But can I trust myself? Yeah. Can I trust my own judgment? Yeah. That's the key. Uh, mm. And that's the part that I had to do a lot of work on. Um, I think so many of us when we come out of relationships that have any sort of abuse we do look at ourselves we talk about you know and we say geez well if my decision making is so good I can't make that decision Decision again again. but you'd like to think you would come back around and hopefully you are at that stage (laughs) now Um, and we've so much more to talk to you about Kathleen but we're running out of time unfortunately and we do want to have you back in to talk about fertility and your work in that area (laughs) as well the day job yeah Yeah, amazing though and 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 thank you for sharing you know it's, it's just so important yeah. no, like what you what you've me. done what you've done today to be people listening and, and you will be able to give people that strength to go and talk to somebody or to listen to somebody and, and that's it, it yeah it's, it's it's both really it's you know mm. it's, i always say be be a friend and and uh, and, find, and, a and friend. find a friend yeah, yeah. And, so and, for, and in terms of phone lines safe ireland safe women's ireland, aid, women's aid uh, or your local refuge yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and if you're in any doubt, make sure that you have that number available to you. Put it into your phone under something else if you feel you have to hide it. Yeah, you know, but but have the number of your local refuge, have the number of your local garden station. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, it's reaching out. The more people that know about your circumstances and your situation, it's diluting the power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that uh, a perpetrator has yeah yeah and that isolation piece yeah absolutely thank, thank, thank you, you kathleen, kathleen. thank you very such a much. pleasure thank you thank you you can contact us on social media at real lives untold our email address is reallivesuntold at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe to hear this season's episodes every wednesday you can listen on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.